Yo, what's good? It's your girl, Becky the Poet, the host of Unspoken Words Podcast, here to tell you about Poet with Words, where the bartender pours up and the poet brings the words. Enjoy spoken word, live music, sounds from DJ Waukee at the People's Last Stand. To learn more, follow Unspoken Words Podcast on Instagram to see when we'll be pouring up next. What's good podcast? Are you ready? Your number one source. To all the keys in the industry. With Brianna Javon. It's the What's Good Podcast. What's good? Hey ladies and gents, this is your girl Brianna Javon and we are here with another episode of Let's Good Podcast and we are still in season five. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode with me. As you guys know, we do not have interviews instead we have GMA conversations so are you ready to i'm ready let's go all right so as you just heard i have another guest with me from the film industry shout out to ashley with the plus magazine she actually referred him so thank you for connecting us thank you ashley <laughs> and we are here to get into your business let's do it i'm here for an open book <laughs> nice so we always start off with an icebreaker okay. so your icebreaker is and we did one Earlier, I think with uh, Daria, we did one with her, but this one is opposite. Okay. So, how do you think being an entrepreneur has hindered you from becoming a better person? Ooh. Um, so, I don't think it's hindered me from becoming a better person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it has really shown me what it's like to be able to roll up your sleeves and create out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, honestly... Because I'm a full-time entrepreneur, wow. if I don't go to work, I don't eat. <laughs> I'm a big boy. So, <laughs> we need a meal. Listen, <laughs> a couple of them. So um, it has really, like, it hasn't hindered me from being a better person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what it has hindered, probably, if I'm going to be honest, is, like, my social life and, and you know, quasi-love quasi life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, a better person, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I kind of want to get into that. Let's As you it. mentioned, being a 24-hour mm-hmm. entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? How do you or are you creating that balance for you to have social life? Because sometimes family members like, you're so busy. That's why we don't talk about because mm-hmm. you're too busy. Mm-hmm. Or friends like, we, we knew you was going to come anyway, right. Right? right? So what does that look like to learn how to balance? Or even if it's worth your time, no shade. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, I don't need to go out sometimes because yeah. I do need to work on mm-hmm. this particular project. Mm-hmm. It's called priorities. Yeah, so is. what does that discussion look like when people do say, hey, come through, or yeah. I already know you wasn't going to come. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. I've missed out on a lot of like family times. I've missed out on a lot of friends moments. Mm-hmm. Um, missed out on a lot of trips because, you know, I'm on set. I'm on, you know, I'm in, I'm in rehearsals. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I got a production. got a production meeting. I literally want to shirt this as I can. I have rehearsal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's lifestyle, right? <laughs> it is. It is like legit. That's my story. But um, but you know, it pays off in the end. And then I also I work hard, but I play hard. Mm. So I will take time. I just got back from South Africa for my birthday. Yeah. So you know, I when I when I, I work I work hard because I like to play hard. Mm. And so like I um I make sure that there is some kind of balance in there. But even in South Africa, I was legit on my laptop working. Mm. <laughs> but I was like the whole time. But I still made sure that you know things happened. You know, um, and things were still moving along. So that, I mean, you find a balance. It just depends on like what's best for you and what you what you're comfortable with. So okay, last follow up question: mm-hmm. Do you set 
time aside every year or is it some time like random for vacations or self-care or whatever that may look like? Yeah, it's random. It's mm-hmm. random. And it, it tends to work itself out because I travel a lot for work too. Okay. Um, so, the, you know, those points in the, for airline hotels, they come in handy. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, I usually like, okay, well, let me find some time. You know, I'll run to New York, go see a couple of shows on Broadway. I'll run to LA, you know, uh, to go hang out and don't tell anybody I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go to Atlanta to my best friend and be like, yo, I'm just going to lay on your couch and you know, I'm just going to, we're going to sit here and like, we're going to watch movies and we just going to, you know, veg out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I find those moments in between, you know, and it's not scheduled. It's not like I'm going to do this every year at this time. I'm not that person at all. Okay. I'm super random. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like, you know what? Next week, I think I want to go to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the cheap ticket? Boom. I'm gone. Because right. yeah. I feel like when you mentioned when it comes to tickets, it's easier to do it randomly mm-hmm. because it'd be cheaper closer to the time right. versus you trying to plan it out. Right. But I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the conversation. Okay. okay. So usually we start off with every question saying, who is the guest? So for you, who is Giles King? Ooh, um, so Giles King is a Dallas native. Okay. Um, born and raised straight up through Dallas Independent School District. Uh-huh. Um, went left Dallas. Um, graduated from the Townview uh, High School. Yeah, uh, isn't that like a creative school? It, well, well, it's a um, it's a business school. Gotcha. Um, I went to the non-business school inside of it. I uh-huh. went to Talented and Gifted, so it was a college uh-huh. prep school. Uh-huh. Um, left there, went to Morehouse in Atlanta. Come on, HBCU. Um, yeah, HBCU all day. Um, came back, worked, then um, left there and went to Columbia uh, University in New York for theater producing and management, came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, I've been on this cultural curator journey. I really, really enjoy curating cultural moments for uh, for people and for society. That's beautiful. So I kind of want to tap into you moving. Like you mentioned, born and raised in Dallas, mm-hmm. but you decided to go to Georgia for mm-hmm. house, right? Mm-hmm. So what made you say, okay, I know this is something that I want to do, or did you start? Let me start. Did you go? In theater in high school, and then you allow, okay, let me go further. This? So let me let me take you back back further. Okay. So I tell the story, and I'm it's sometimes a joke, but I really think it's serious. So my okay. dad's a Baptist pastor. Okay. Um, and my mom is Jesus' secretary. So I love it. <laughs> so I legit, right, right, strong roots <laughs> of the church. So I legit believe that I play baby Jesus in the manger. Okay. So this <laughs> entertainment stuff has been in my blood since birth. Um, my uncle was a professional dancer. It's rumored also that he wrote one of Michael Jackson's hits and uh. they stole it and gave it to Michael. Uh-oh. I mean, that's what, that was the rumor. That's the rumor in the family. Um, that he was singing Beat It before Michael was. <laughs> but, um, so entertainment has been in my family. So I, it was, so when I got to high school, I was already doing entertainment. I film, I was filming stuff, um, producing myself. Um, and then, um, I said, yo, I'm going to go to Morehouse. Like you want to go to Morehouse? You want all the way to Atlanta? I was like, yes, I want to go to Morehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read that Bill Cosby's son, Ennis Cosby, when he got killed, that he went to Morehouse. That's right. And I was reading the story and it just it just started to spin out. Like, oh, that's where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. So was this just like that particular story that encouraged you, or was it like the programs for Morehouse? It was honestly it, that story is what sparked it. Gotcha. And then I began to look at like Martin Luther King went there, Samuel L. Jackson. And I was like, wow, they're training all these great black men mm-hmm. in leadership. I knew nothing about Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I've never been. I didn't go until probably a month before mm-hmm. <laughs> I moved on the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really about the history of Morehouse and being able to walk those same halls and that same yard that all these amazing black men walked. And then the, the leadership that steps out of that program. 
what would be one emotion you mm -hmm. felt when you stepped on the grounds of Morehouse? Scared. I was shook. <laughs> Why? Because you felt the pressure? Well, it was it was everything. So like first mm -hmm. of all, like so I went to Townview. Townview had a lot of black people, but my program tag, I was one of maybe seven in our program. Um in our year. And so like I wasn't around a lot of black people and I've never been around that many men. Um, and then like then it was like I was at Morehouse and then Dr. King went to Morehouse. So it was all these things and then like in freshman in freshman orientation, it feels like you're pledging a fraternity. They have all the men dressed in suits all around, mm -hmm. like all the upperclassmen, and you have to walk through the line and you're just like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. um, but like all those moments, like, I mean, it's been 20 years since I left Morehouse and like, I still smile about that, you know, that, that moment of the history. So I was nervous. I was super scared. I didn't know what I was going into. It was the first time being that far away from home by myself. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have any family, any friends in Atlanta, like nothing. Thing. I think I was one other classmate that went to uh, Morehouse as well, and we were cool, but like you know, we weren't like best friends. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was a moment of like, where am I? What am I? I even tried to leave my first year. Really? Okay, so mm -hmm. let's dive into that. <laughs> what like was it even more pressure added on it? Like as you're into the program, or was it like I'm just missing home at this point? So really, what it was, honestly, and I'm so glad I didn't leave. But um, my roommate. Like, we're cool now, but my roommate, like, I never knew dudes could be one messy and two nasty. <laughs> I wasn't raised that way. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, Joe, don't watch this part. But <laughs> my friend brother, too. That's the funny part. Um, wait, 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 wait. You're the only man. Um, but, like, dudes were, like, messy on the floor. Like, they were, I felt, I felt it was gossip, so much gossip going on about stuff. And then, like, just, like, dudes, like, bathroom was nasty mm -hmm. our room was that i was like yo i wasn't raised like this mm -hmm. at all like what is going on and so like it was it was a lot of times that i would just would go to i had a friend there uh, we became friends i would just go off campus and stay there because yeah. i just couldn't deal with it and so i was like you know what this is too black this is too much i'm i'm, I'm applying to ut austin they gave me a full ride i should have just went there anyway and let me tell you how god works though mm -hmm. so legit um morehouse sent my transcripts a day late and UT yeah. said, no, you didn't meet our deadlines. So it was kind of like you mentioned at the very beginning, it's like a full circle mm -hmm. of everything is coming together. Mm -hmm. that you were where you were supposed mm -hmm. to be. Where I was time. supposed to be. And I'm so glad I didn't leave because those next three years were so transformative for me. Okay, let's talk about the transformation. I, I legit grew up in Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta at 17. Yeah. My I mama and daddy it. did not know what they were doing sending me to Atlanta at 17. <laughs> yeah, a little bit too much. Listen, <laughs> my mother doesn't know this story, but um, I legit, um, my dad called me mid-semester, my first semester, and mm -hmm. he was like, we got your grades, um, and if you don't change them by the time you come home for Christmas, I'm coming to grab you. Mm. Listen, I pulled a 1.7 up to a 3.2. I had a 1.7. Listen, I, but I was partying that first, that first like two and a half months. I was getting it. Because like you mentioned, you um, Kappa, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yep. So was that sophomore? Uh, senior. No, senior mm -hmm. year. Okay, so you you were just having fun yeah. out the gate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, like walking okay. on campus. Like, but it was my first time being away from home, and mm -hmm. I, my parents love them to death, and I understand why. But like, we couldn't do nothing. Like, I couldn't mm -hmm. listen to K one four. I couldn't go to parties. It was none of that. I see. Yeah. That. So like, I was like, yo, it's a bus that pull up in front of campus to take us to the club. Let's go. <laughs> 
Okay, so I want to talk about your very first production. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was that in high school? Like you mentioned, it goes way, way yeah. further back than yeah. high school, right? Yeah. But I want to talk about that time where you were like, ooh, I can do mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, very good. So my, my uh, very good question. My first production production um, was, oh, wow. It was actually a Christmas carol. A soulful tale. That's what that's what I thought. It. Yeah, I titled I love it. That. Yeah, so it was a black version of a Christmas Carol. I had a female Scrooge. Um, I had um, it was it was like like a trio of singers. It was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and like I, it was a three day production. Um, I didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> I did it at the Black Academy of Arts and Letters downtown Dallas, um, and like it was, it was so much fun. Like it, we literally had to bring in chairs because mm-hmm. it was that many people wanted to see the show. So okay, you've been to Atlanta, mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. but you brought it back home. Yes. Why is that? Because the first thing I think of, when I think about Broadway, theater, mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. I think about New York. I don't even think about Los Angeles for whatever reason. Maybe because that's like just more so film and movies. Film and TV, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I think about Broadway, I think about New York. Mm-hmm. So why <laughs> move it home versus, I mean, you were there. I was in New York. Listen, I was in New York and I was loving New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I, New York is a vibe. It, listen, it's a whole vibe. Yeah, it's a whole vibe. It. And not only that, but also I was working on Broadway. I was working for Disney on Broadway. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Hey, I did see that. Yep, I was working for Disney on Broadway. And so, like, I got an amazing opportunity in Dallas. I mm-hmm. worked, like, like I said, I was working for the Black Academy of Arts and Letters where I did the Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Um, I left there. I taught at Skyline High School for a couple of years, and then I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Curtis King, the founder, came to New York and said, I'm ready to retire. I want you to take the reins. And I said, nope, I'm staying in New York. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have to know that emotion because... He's a legend in Dallas. A legend, and he—I mean, I studied, I, I studied under him, and still kind of studying under him. Mm-hmm. Um, for at that point, it was probably like nine years. Yeah. And for him to say, "I'm passing the torch down to you," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what was that like? Like, I know for me, I've been like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah. So we have, we've had conversations about it before. Okay. So he's and kind of you yeah, he, he he was grooming me a little bit, and like I, I was I was still like studying under him, producing under him. You know, we would go to dinner and lunch and have conversations. So it was, it was like, it wasn't surprising when he said that. Mm-hmm. It's still a huge mantle to take on mm-hmm. because, I mean, like you said, he is a Dallas legend. He's been doing this for 45 years at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but I, it was, it was a challenge that I was up to. I was like, I'm ready. Like, I really want to put my stamp and my spin on Dallas. And so, um, when, when I finally said yes, because of, of um, in the beginning, I said, there's no way, no how, like, it's not happening. I'm not leaving New York. I'm not leaving to New York till I'm 60, 65, and I retire back in Dallas. <laughs> Listen, I said, I'm going to give you 20, 25 years, let me hustle in the city, then I'll move back when I'm ready to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, but God said no. <laughs> I told God, and you have to be careful what you ask God. Um, because That's I said, I said, God, um, I have these three opportunities. One was the Black Academy, one was um, Disney, and one was at the, a black theater in Harlem. And um, I say, I know, right? Yeah, listen. And so I had an opportunity. I had a great interviews. I was the last candidate for both of these. Mm. Um, and I already had Black Academy in the pocket. And so I said, God, whatever you don't want me to have, I want you to t- close every door. Legit. I got a phone call from the recruiter, probably let's say 11 o'clock a.m. When, when it came from the recruiter, I knew I'd get the job because mm. the theater would have called me. Mm-hmm. So he was like, yeah, they went with somebody who had the actual title. You have all the experience, more experience, but they wanted somebody with the title. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. I still got Disney. I'm working at Disney. Of course, I'm a shoe in. I got it. Right. 
So I went to lunch, came back, and they said, I got an email while I was on the train going back, and it said, um, you were overqualified for this position. So This same day. That Okay, so me being the spiritual person that I am, some people would have took that and been like, dang, I'm out here, nothing is working mm-hmm. for me, why do I have to move back home? Mm-hmm. So I want to know, when you receive those no's, and like you mentioned, you prayed for... <laughs> That closed door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he slammed it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your attitude? Now, I want to know, let's go deeper into mm-hmm. it. What was that prayer like to say, okay, God, I hear you, I see you. Let me go ahead and pack these bags. Yeah, so so legit. Like, I I had prayed that for New York. When I applied to Columbia, I said, I'm not applying to any of the schools. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send this application in. And if, if it's meant for me to be, do it. Mm-hmm. When I got my interview, I said, God, I don't have a ticket. I don't have a plane ticket. I don't have a hotel, mm-hmm. but I'm going to this interview. Called my best friend. I was like, I need a plane ticket. He said, here's a buddy pass. I called one of my friends from college and he worked at a hotel. He was like, come go stay at this hotel. It's paid for. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just lining up. And so I went. I didn't tell my parents. I think only two friends knew I went. Mm. I didn't tell anybody. And then they, they sent me an acceptance letter probably like a month and a half later with a scholarship. I was like, Okay, God, I'm moving to New York. Okay. <laughs> so I already prayed the prayer to get there. Mm-hmm. And when I prayed that prayer, I was like, I kind of want to stay here, God. Like, this is what I planned. But mm-hmm. um, he said, so you move back to Dallas. I was like, whoo, it stung a little. I said, okay, I'm moving back to Dallas. So uh, with all the opportunities that you received in New York, would you say you're, you receive it times 10? In Dallas, or how would you compare the two? So I'll say this. Um, working at the Black Academy, it gave me some amazing exposure to Dallas and to uh, the Black art scene around the around the country. Nice. Um, and so it really elevated my profile. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had to go through that season to elevate my profile. Mm-hmm. It put my name, my face, and who I am in front of so many people that I could never have touched mm-hmm. on my own. So I celebrate the, that. I think three year stint that I, I was their chief executive director. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but um, it has, it really like, it groomed me and it really like put me in a place to where like, I can open doors and I can really like use my name and my muscle to open those doors. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just telling somebody this the other day if, to be the big fish in a small pond mm-hmm. is way easier to be than me, the little fish in that huge pond mm-hmm. that's called New York. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would have still swam, mm-hmm. but like it would have been so many other whales and sharks in the in the in the tank with me. Mm-hmm. So here, like being a big, being a pretty you know decent sized fish in this smaller pond, it really has allowed me to you know have some opportunity. Hmm. So I want to go into you mentioning Skyline earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that you give back a lot. Yeah, I do. Like so. I love the kids. I love children. I, I love, love, love education. Mm-hmm. And being able to teach at Skyline for four years, teach theater mm-hmm. to these students who, I was say, I mean, they're underserved communities. Yeah. Um, and I had the opportunity to go to Booker T. Washington. I love Booker T. Washington High School for the visual and performing arts. I love, love, love them. Mm-hmm. However, those kids don't need it. Mm-hmm. Those kids didn't necessarily need me, mm-hmm. my face, my experiences in that school those kids at skyline Mm -hmm. they needed to see a black man who had connection they see see a black man who's in the arts and they need to see a black man who was going to pull them i have probably like eight or nine students that are in entertainment right now that i know of that are still you know working in working in the business Mm -hmm. um and they call me all the time they you know text me and i I groom them i walk them in any door i have i walk them in Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. So with that being stated, um, talking about mentor and mentee, mm-hmm. how important is that to elevate your career? If that's any type of industry. What does that mean to you? So I, I think um, I think it's imperative to have a mentor. Mm-hmm. And to have a men- mentor that you trust mm-hmm. and have a mentor that's willing to pour into you and not see you as um, a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you have that mentor, to not abuse that mentor either, though. Because so many times people with men- who have mentors, they abuse the relationship mm-hmm. for only what they can get. Mm-hmm. And they don't give anything inside that mentorship. Mm-hmm. So it- it's imperative to have a mentor. I have a theater mentor, I have a business mentor, and I have a... Um, a uh, financial mentor. I have three. Oh. And I call them for different things. Mm-hmm. Like I call my business mentor like, listen, I have this problem right here or I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And she'll be like, mm, let's talk that through. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Thank like you, though, because yeah. it gets you to think because mm-hmm. sometimes, I know I'm very impulsive. I'm like, hey, I got this idea, y'all. What y'all think? Right. Actually, don't tell me anything about <laughs> right, it anyway. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about that with feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How important is it to receive feedback mm-hmm. and then also apply it? Because you can receive things yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about that with affirmations. We can call ourselves mm-hmm. amazing, mm-hmm. great, this, this, and that, mm-hmm. and then be rude to the next person that won't pass that you. Yeah. So what does it mean to have and receive feedback then also apply it? Yeah, so, I mean, you have to be open to feedback, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. So people can t- tell you um, that that shirt looks great. The great shirt looks great on you. If you, don't, if you don't think it looks right on you, you're not going to be open to accept that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I hate this shirt. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you if you ask them, what do you think this shirt looks like on me? Then you have to be open to receive that feedback. Mm-hmm. And so many times that we listen to respond and don't listen to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with that, men- with that, <laughs> I can write that down. Um, but in that mentor-mentee relationship, you should really listen to understand. And, like, I don't always take all the advice of my mentor, but I mm-hmm. definitely do put it in the back of my brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do file it away just in case. I'm like, well, you know what? They did say, okay, okay, I, I see. What, uh, well, let me maneuver it this way. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, you know, because they don't always know the full scope of the picture that I'm trying to get to, right. but I do take the bits and pieces that work for me. Mm-hmm. Like you said, write that down. That was, good. <laughs> that was really, really good. Okay, so I want to get into a couple of questions when yeah. it goes into um, the film industry. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know for me, I who did I see talk about this? They were like, TV and film is great, but as far as an actor or actress, when they go into Broadway, mm-hmm. they really get challenged with their acting mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. So with you being already in theater, what did like any type of challenges did you receive and how did you use that as like a learning lesson to only get better in your craft? Yeah. Um, so I, I love that because a lot of film actors can't do theater mm-hmm. because we can yell in, in film, we yell cut. Okay. Um, so you didn't do that line. Right. So mm-hmm. here's what I need you to do. So try it again and use this emotion mm-hmm. or hit this word when you say that, or, or take, pick up the cup here and then, okay, do it again. And so that whole moment that just happened is in the trash. Uh, now in live theater like you have no cut <laughs> you can't be like say go back and do it no in that moment if that cup falls on the ground you have to figure out how to go pick up that cup still say your line and get back to where you're supposed to be because that set probably is about to move right. and if you don't be in the right place if you're not in the right place then boom you get hit mm-hmm. um, or anything could happen like so that's you, right, they have the keys mm-hmm, the yeah 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 they have the tape <laughs> on the floor just like tape yeah mm-hmm. so like it's so funny to watch a lot of um film actors who try to do theater. Mm-hmm. And also film is just like right here because it's only this angle. 
Mm-hmm. But where, where theater is, you have the whole, the whole stage, stage, so you have to fill up that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me as a producer, um, I'm walking that line, which is very interesting because theater and film are two different production worlds. Yeah. Um, where I know the theater is a like we have a crew, we have a pretty big crew, but with film, you have like people who are like literally like holding the sound, holding the sound boom. You have mm-hmm. those who are pressing the button. Like you have so many different moving parts mm-hmm. that, and then like you also break down film completely different. In rehearsal for theater, you know, it may be six weeks of rehearsals, mm-hmm. whereas in film, it may be six weeks of shooting. And so you rehearse before the scene, you know, you, you shoot in this house, and then you, okay, you're done with this house, you skip all over the script, because yeah. <laughs> everything you need to do in this house needs to be done in two days, because you don't have it booked for two days, um, and then you have to go to the park. Uh, exactly, because it's all about budget. And listen, a low budget versus a mid budget versus like a high budget, like it's complete, completely different worlds. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really about, but like in, in the industry, any industry, you have to realize that, you know, where am I in the scope of things? Yeah. And then like, how do I pivot and adjust? And, you know, is this too big for me? Is this too small for me? Or am I comfortable in this moment? Mm. Okay. Speaking of moments, mm-hmm. you have a list of different people that you have worked with. I have. Oh, I don't even know some of these people. Well, I mean, I can't remember. I know them, but I can't remember. But yeah. I'm, I'm only going to name three. Okay. So. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Because it is a long list, so I'm gonna say Diane Carroll. Oh my God! So that was that was one of my uh, most iconic moments to be able to escort her in when she got honored at the Black Academy. Oh, so you escorted? And like literally, like so. So funny story. Funny story. Diane Carroll was on my arm. I walked her in. I think at this point she was probably like seventy five, uh-huh. and so she's a, a tall lady, yeah. very regal, very still, beautiful, like beautiful at seventy five. She's on my arm and she's like literally holding on to my arm to stay standing. Mm-hmm. And so she walks in, everybody's like, she walks in the room, everybody stands up and starts yelling and screaming. And then so she moves her arm and she moves from my arm, she does this and hits me in my face to wave. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Diane Carroll just hit me in the face. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna react. It was Diane Diane Carroll. What was I supposed to do? Right. Yeah. Hilarious. Whitney Gilbert's mom from uh from a different world. It's the, okay. Her but mine, well, I grew up on um five heartbeats. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that mm-hmm. heart, mm-hmm. baby. She smacked red. Right, exactly. <laughs> little two party yep, yep, yep. That's when I, I was like, oh, she's just so classy. Yeah, she's a classic for sure. But um who else did you see? Uh Lacey? Yes. Fantasia? Yes. Michael Jamal Warren. Yep, 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 yep. Um I said I was only gonna name three, right? I'm on a roll. Okay. Um, who else was it? Miss Ruby D. Yes. Oh, Ruby D. Uh huh. Uh-huh. The mother of black entertainment. Yes. 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 Okay, I'm stopping there. Yeah. I want to know when it comes to being from small towns. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We can all relate to this, and being now in front of stars that we see on TV. Because I'm not gonna lie, I'm still trying to learn how to navigate in front of celebrities when it comes to me interviewing. Mm-hmm. So I wanna know when you have those opportunities with working with them. I'm a professional, you are not a star, we are all humans. What does mm-hmm. that look like for you to like kind of bring it down to where at the end of the day we have to get this project done? Yeah. Anything else has to go out the door. Yeah, yeah. Um so I think like Miss Carol, Miss D, mm-hmm. um, there is an air of reverence that you give them. 
just mm -hmm. because they walked in the room and you're breathing the same air. Right. Period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's also a level of professionalism that they bring out of you too. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's like you you work harder to meet that expectation. Um, and then they, they, it just becomes just a natural because they're they're regular people like you. Mm -hmm. Malcolm Jamal Warner grabbed my arm at, at, at time. He was like, "Yo, bro, get me out of here <laughs> and keep walking." He said, "He's out. I want you to just keep walking no matter what happens." And like that's what I did because if you know if he he was there for us and like he was there, the crowd was just like literally like the ladies were tearing him apart. I'm like, he's Theo from the Huxtable. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, right, right, right. I mean, but so it's really, you realize that they're normal people just like you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'll never forget, I was working with Erica Badu on her show. Um, I can't think it was, it wasn't Baduism, but she did a one woman, one -woman show. Uh -huh. Oh, it was called, uh, it was called Naked, I think, or something like that, Nudity. Uh -huh. um, and so I, I arrived on the stage, she's already there. And like she was like in her zone, and I was like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to like like get her out of her zone. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be rude, so I just stepped back. And she was like, "Brother King, how are you?" Love it. And I was like, "I'm good, Miss Badu." Mm -hmm. And she was like, "I'm excited about today." And I was it just like literally, I was like, "She's regular, just like us." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I learned at that moment, like you know, you don't want to be too 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 common with people mm -hmm. like yo what's up like you're not friends like that all right but you but you can treat them like they're a regular person they're not on a pedestal that kind of thing um now miss d is gonna be on a pedestal i mean even in death Regardless. she's still on a pedestal miss <laughs> carol on a pedestal, pedestal. period point black all right so now since we got to know you a little mm -hmm. bit more and now we're going to get into the storytelling portion of the podcast and this is pretty much the highs and low if that's life if mm -hmm. that's business whatever mm -hmm. you want to share okay. right okay. so let's get to the highs first let's go. anything where you're like dang giles you did that pat on the back hoorah mm. hoorah what would be something you would be able to share with yeah, uh, it will be last February. I well, not last February. So in the pandemic, <laughs> mm -hmm. I said it was it was right at the height of when George Floyd got murdered, okay. not killed, but murdered. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a Black Lives Matter movement. Everybody was protesting. I was like, artistically, how do I put myself on this moment mm -hmm. and say that we ha I have a comment and the, that Dallas and the Black community has a comment on this. Mm -hmm. So I was like. Mm. So these pop-up museums are a new thing. Let's create a pop-up museum that's dedicated to Black Lives Matter. Yes. And so I've never done a museum. Mm -hmm. I've never created a pop-up anything. I'm not that kind of artist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, But I was like, I'm going to do it because that's what I do. I'm a cultural curator and I'll figure it out. So I legit found like eight people and said, hey, I have this crazy idea. You want to go on the journey with me? Uh -huh. And they were like, sure. So I was like, okay, so these are the eight rooms I want. I want one dedicated to black hair. I want one dedicated to black, one, one dedicated to black excellence. I want one king and queen room. I want an HBCU room. I want a dream room. Um, I want an Africa room. And oh, I want a um, America under construction room. Oh. And so we created all of those rooms in a span of like a week and a half. And we opened it February 1st. Um, and it was so dope. Oh my God. It was such a dope Congrats. moment. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. And it was stayed up all of February, even through Snow Apocalypse Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh that yeah, was a long time. Right. Like, right. So we would that happened right in the middle of the right around Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And but 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 still like the people who got to see it, they were so 
it was just a, just to watch people go through their museum. Yeah. They were so proud to see their culture represented as excellence. At the HBCU room, people were like, they were writing their HBCUs like on the on the board. We had a chalkboard, and they were like, shout out to you know Clark Atlanta, shout out to uh, Paul Quinn, Prairie View, and then even those who didn't go to P, uh, who didn't go to HBCUs, I was like, yo, write your PWI there. You right. know, if you're part of a sorority or a fraternity, put it up there. Like, show that you were here. Yeah. So it was. Just, I think that was like re- most recently the most the high high that we had. I want to kind of tap into that a little bit. Okay, let's go. I want to know the information selected mm-hmm. as far as intent mm-hmm. for the museum. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, you had those eight rooms. Yeah. How did you choose? Because we have a lot of history when it comes to mm-hmm. um, just like people here. Right. We have a lot of history. So what? As far as your intentions of using those particular information that you were selling during the museum, the information. Hmm. So it, it really was twofold. One, what's going to resonate with our people? Uh-huh. And two, what's going to be Instagramable? Because uh-huh. the, the, the goal of the museum was to be an Instagramable museum where you can walk in each room and have Instagramable moments. Uh-huh. And so you could take a piece of this and it'd be a whole photo shoot, a little girl for her, I think she it was her eighth birthday. She came to the museum and did a photo shoot in all of the exhibits. Wow. Yeah. So we wanted to create what's going to be Instagrammable, but what's also going to resonate with people. Mm-hmm. And so somebody was like, oh, you should do Black Inventors. We get Black Inventors all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's great to have Black Inventors. But I think really like to have a old school high cone. Mm-hmm. With the old school um, stylish chair, yeah, like, like that kind of thing. It was so many people like they would pick up the high comments, like, and it was story after story. Like my mama used to burn my kitchens. I used to have yeah, the old ear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember like my I waking up in the morning, and my mom on Sunday morning, my mom pressing my sister's head while she still sleep. Uh-huh. You know, um, so it was just all the, the like what's going to spark those conversations mm-hmm. and be impactful. So that's how that's how I really chose those things. And I was just talking about like next year's museum in February of twenty twenty. Too. Like, what are we gonna do, and how are we gonna elevate? Because we already set the bar. We have to keep kicking it up yeah, every time. Keep going up now, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> that is so lovely. Okay, so on the other end mm-hmm. of it, we also have Lowe's. Yeah, buddy. And um, I don't like saying failures. I always call them learning lessons. For sure, they were. So let's talk about a low that they kind of questioned your path. You were like, "Dang, should I be going this way? Mm-hmm. Um, am I choosing the right route?" Uh-huh. Um, and then how did you push through? Because of course you're still here. Yeah, you're yeah, still yeah. doing what you are called to mm-hmm. do. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So um, I produced a festival uh, of plays. It was called Stage Black, mm-hmm. a festival of new plays. Got um, writers from across the country to come in and submit submit their plays. And then we produced them. Um, and I did the first year. Boom. Sold out. Success. I mean, people were, people were talking about it. People were still talking about it. So I was like, okay, cool. We got a momentum. Bam, 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 bam. Did it the second year. I lost my shirt. I self-funded this all out of my teacher salary at Skyline. And when I tell you, like, it, for some reason, the marketing didn't click. The, the timing was wrong. Something. I, and I know what happened. Um, it, it really was, I think, I, I rested on the year before. Uh, and I wasn't as hungry as that first year. Because mm-hmm. um, that first year, I had something to prove. You know, it was like, it's my first time at the gate. I got to make sure it is popping. Right. And that second year, I was like, oh, we good. I could, I could take a little money from marketing over here. I could do this. We can kick back a little bit. Nah. 
And I legit, like, I, <laughs> I'll never forget it. The last show, I paid all the actors, I paid all the crew, and I'm left, like, with nothing. I'm talking about, like, my account empty, like, I did no, I was a teacher, so no check until, like, a couple weeks later. So I was like, yo, I can't do this again, like, at all. That was a hard, hard, I remember sitting on my balcony, and I was like, it was all dark, I didn't cut any lights on, I was like, we're not coming back here again. Mm-hmm. that's not gonna happen mm-hmm. and I was like I'm not gonna beat myself up over it but I'm gonna learn from this moment mm-hmm. and that's that was really what pushed me to go to Columbia really and that's when I was like I've been doing this by the seat of my pants mm-hmm. I want to go learn how they do it <laughs> okay mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of sparked another question mm-hmm. so I hear a lot, this is probably really political, but I hear a lot of people saying, you know, um, us black folks need to support our black folks and this, 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 Mm -hmm. and that. Nothing wrong with it. But I feel like outside, we have allies that have more resources Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. us. I want to hear your standpoint of just learning from everybody and then bringing it back to your community. Because as I mentioned, the people that we see on a daily basis, may not have the information that you need right. to elevate. Like you right. mentioned, that's the reason why you went to Columbia. Mm-hmm. So I just want to hear your standpoint of like, I can be in Dallas, I can be in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but for me to go to that next level, I need to be in Columbia. Yeah. So it's it's true. So I believe that we can support black businesses all day long. I believe in supporting black businesses and giving black businesses the support that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a difference. Right. <laughs> that part. Um, but I also believe that um, that there are resources outside of the black community that can really get you to another level if you choose to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a goal. So I wanted to, right out of Morehouse, I wanted to work at a white theater. Mm-hmm. I wanted to then go teach school. Mm-hmm. And then I then I was like, okay, now I went to a black school already. Let me go to a white a white Ivy League school in New York to learn how they produce on that level. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to learn like how a, a small professional theater company that had that was part of Equity Association, which is the um, the union for actors, mm-hmm. um, how they operated at the base level. Yeah. Then I went to go work for a black theater mm-hmm. and saw how they were operated at the base level. Mm-hmm. Then I went to t- teach because I wanted to learn education because I wanted theater school. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I got all this. I'll, I'll stack the deck here. What's next? Mm-hmm. Columbia was next. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, I, I was taking classes um, with Broadway um, with Broadway producers. I was taking classes with Broadway finance people, mm-hmm. Broadway marketing. There's there's seriously a marketing campaign that my class created that they used and they made money off of. Where's my click? <laughs> we, 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 saw the, we saw the advertisement. It was in our advertising class. We were like, that's what we designed. Okay. Like, y'all, what? <laughs> but, I mean, but literally everything we create for them, they can have. Mm-hmm. So, but like those opportunities, even the point, I probably... Me, I would have never worked for Disney. Mm-hmm. Never got in the door. Yeah. But my professor made a call. He was like, Charles, you want to work at Disney? I sure do. He was like, he was like, let me call the president of Disney. I'll send my email. Shoot me your resume. And I was like, okay. And then when I got there, Mary Poppins was in the theater downstairs. Lion King was a couple wow. blocks over. Um, Newsies was opening in the theater back there. And then they don't people don't know this, but Sister Act is a Disney property too. And so Sister Act was I was over there too. And so like I would legit just like bounce from theater to theater. Uh-huh. What else was be working? 
But it was good for you to see behind the scenes. It was good for me to see behind the scenes. It was good for me. So I've come from a small, uh, small nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. Like the biggest budget I probably worked on was probably like um, $1.2 million. Uh -huh. 1.7 1.7 million so yeah <laughs> but I mean but over a year like that was small but when like I'm working at Disney they make 1.7 million dollars in merchandise in a week mm -hmm. and that's on one show yeah that makes sense and so I'm like these budgets are different <laughs> <laughs> different scales right different scales I was just like oh that's just in selling t-shirts cups mugs and blankets mm -hmm. you make it 1.7 million dollars in a week on the road so but it was it was seeing those perspectives and then coming back home and being able to to, to pick and choose okay i saw how they did that there boom let's do that mm -hmm. or i saw how this theater did that okay so let's try some of that mm -hmm. and really being able to pull those moments mm -hmm. that work yeah i love mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. so everybody do not be scared to just go out and find different experiences that was my whole reason of asking you because you went from state mm -hmm. to state mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then you still came home like yeah. that was the same thing with me i went to tsu had a great time but i had to come home to now do what i'm doing right, right. if i didn't listen to god yeah. i wouldn't yeah. i still be out for you yeah. <laughs> but it's all about having new experiences and meeting people. all right can i say one thing though yes while i was at columbia i was still authentically me when I tell you I, when they say hey so tell, tell us about you Giles I said I want to produce black work and I was unapologetic about it I was still the militant black person <laughs> at Columbia that I am today that I'm still want to produce black work and, and Hispanic work and those underserved communities I, that's that's the stories I want to tell mm -hmm. I don't want to do reimagined Greek classics that's fine but that's not what I want to do and so while I was in, in those spaces, I still was myself. I didn't become somebody else. And I think so many times we get in those spaces and think we have to change or yes. we have to assimilate. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And, I, and I'm all for code switching. Mm -hmm. I code switch with the best of them because okay. that's how you get indoors. <laughs> right. However kind of space, <laughs> I'm still going to be me. And I'm still going to tell you, I, I, even down to like, mm, this, I don't, I don't feel the equity in this room. Mm -hmm. There's something going on. So I'm still going to be me, but, I, but I'm still going to get everything I have to get. Okay, so I'm kind of scared to ask you this question because uh -oh. that was pretty much the answer to this next okay, question. Okay, okay. I was going to ask you, what is one free advice you could give somebody mm. that's in theater mm -hmm. that, I mean, I can't, let me just piggyback on what you just said. If it is a troublesome mm. to be around people who don't think like you or mm -hmm. don't act like you mm -hmm. because I have moved to a different state mm -hmm. or I have moved to a different country. Mm -hmm. um, how can I stay true to myself? Because, I mean, you being pressured by, oh, mm -hmm. that's what you want to do? Mm -hmm. Oh, that oh, that don't sound good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, is this really what I want right. to do? Right. So what does that look like to stay true to yourself as advice? Um, I'll, I'll tell you, it's not an easy road. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy role to be the lone voice in a room where people don't understand. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy role to to jump up and go to New York and you probably know one person in that whole city. Right. Um, but you have to look at it's gonna the reward outweighs the cost. Mm -hmm. And the level of contacts and experiences, I've probably seen more Broadway shows in my life than people see, you know, I mean, 10 people together ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying those experiences yes. for sure. Yes. So I say, I, I would tell you, keep pushing, mm -hmm. like, like fight for what you want. Mm -hmm. And then when, once you fight for what you want, continue to show up. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean walking in the room, it means being present when you're in that room. Mm -hmm. 
And I used to tell all my students, stay in the way. And they were like, what does that mean? It means if, whether you're a tree number two or you're the lead actor, that you need to be present every time you hit that rehearsal room, you hit that stage, that you hit that bathroom, you hit that parking lot. You need to be present because that's what make you, makes you get remembered. And then even, even on your corporate job, like I promise you, like when you apply yourself and be present, mm-hmm. that's when things start to change. Yes, when sure. you're like, you know, I don't want this job. I'm gonna sit over here on the internet. I'm gonna eat chips all day. Mm-hmm. Then you're not, you're not gonna be rewarded, and you're, it's not it's not it's not gonna be worth it for you. Now at that point, you're literally monkey number three. Mm-hmm. But if you were the best monkey number three, <laughs> putting that widget together, then people are gonna start noticing. Like, man, you do a great job mm-hmm. on that widget. Actually, can you train these seven people how to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. And then boom, boom, boom. It just it's a ripple effect. So stay in the way, be present, and then fight for what you want. Simple. Just those three things. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So what is next on my list? I mean, this was just so good. <laughs> it was fun. It's fun. Okay. Yeah. So upcoming things. Yes. Tell people how to get in touch with you, yes. website, upcoming plays, mm-hmm. all that good stuff so they can support you. Yeah, so um, I just wrapped the film I was working on called Recession Proof. Okay. Um, it, uh, Khadijah, oh, I think Khadijah's last name is because she's going to kill me. But uh, she was a producer and star of it. Um, we had Clifton Powell, Rodney Perry, um, and some other amazing uh, artists that were in that movie. So that's coming out soon. So look out for Recession Proof. Nice. Um, and it's December 16th through the 24th um, at the Urban Arts Center, 807 Hutchins Road, Dallas, Texas, 75203. Um, we will have an Oak Cliff Carol. So it's an Oak Cliff version of a Christmas Carol. It's kind of my theme. So, (laughs) Um, so yeah. So uh, it's going to be dope urban musical. We have some dope beats. We have some dope singing, some acting. So if you were looking for something to do with the family, grandma can come, little niece can come, and they all can enjoy it for sure. Love it. Yeah. um, And then the museum is coming back. Okay. February 2022, the museum is coming back, Black Experience Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you want something cultural to do for Black History Month, um, COVID, we're almost out of COVID, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely come through um, and, and take experience at this um, Instagramable Museum. Mm-hmm. So if you want to follow me, you can follow me personally. It's Giles with a J. J-I-L-E-S dot K-I-N-G on all social media. Um, and then you can also follow um, Urban Arts Center, which is our which is our theater, uh, Urban Arts Center. And then we're on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think that's it. Um, and then uh, you can also follow Urban Arts Magazine, which is the magazine we have as well. Um, so, yeah, so you can follow us and uh, definitely let's have a conversation. You know, just don't hit follow. Like, let us know you're there so we can say hi. Please don't be a ghost. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> be involved in it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we always end our conversation with a motivational moment. Okay. I'm going to do yours a little different. Okay. Usually it's a scripture, a quote, mm-hmm. or last week we did a song, okay. which was okay. so cool. Okay. That's what made me motivated to, like, do something different this okay. time. So. When you are in the process of creating a new project mm-hmm. or you're just getting that inspiration, mm-hmm. what do you tell yourself before you get started that this is what I need to do, this is I, this is what I need to get started on, or you just to get that motivation just to get that one step in front of the other? Ooh, ooh, that's a good question. Um... I think I, because I'm a church boy, <laughs> um, it goes back to scripture. It really is. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And it's that that really makes me push. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that level sets everything. Nice. It was like, okay, 
So failure's not an option. I can. Mm -hmm. I can do all things through Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it, child. Yeah, that's it. This is it. I am so thankful for you. This was a great time. Did you have any last words? Do you feel like I forgot anything? No, no, no. I just want to say thank you so much for considering me. Thank you for having me on the show. Like, this is dope. This is fun. It felt like I was talking to an old friend. <laughs> and that's from my heart. What we said before we uh, press record, I wanted to just be a vibe when we just had right, time. Right, right. And y'all see, we got the couch. Listen. Shout out to Java Lounge. We are here. I'm just, getting me some coffee before oh. I leave. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure y'all come out. Camp Wisdom, Java Lavender Coffee Lounge. Mm -hmm. Come through. But I want to thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley, for connecting us. Ashley. And if you are listening to this morning, noon, evening, or night, you guys have a great one. And thank you again for listening to What's Good Podcast. Deuces. Like, share, and subscribe. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram at what's good underscore podcast or my personal account b.javon underscore. Javon is spelled J-O-V-A-H-N. You can catch me on Twitter, what's good underscore pod C for Charlie. And then you can also catch me on Facebook at what's good podcast. Uh, make sure that you subscribe and also leave reviews for me to also see. And I can also respond back to you guys. Let me know what you're thinking of the podcast and any updates. Thank you. Have a good one.